It's the only wrestling podcast on earth with one two-time X Division champion, the man behind the man, behind the man at Impact Wrestling, my best friend and yours. That's Petey Williams. How's she going, eh? Uh, Dimitri Young should pop in any minute now. When he does, we'll give him a cute little, you know, MLB All-Star, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Lars is on an airplane, so he's not here. It's not even private, I don't think. I tried to convince him to get the in-flight Wi-Fi. Yeah, so why not? do the show from the actual airplane, but I don't think he's going to join the Mile, Pod, Mile High Pod Club. So <laughs> I've been working on that one all day, guys. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You still fumbled on it. That's all right. <laughs> Guys, that's why uh, promos are scripted now, because believe it or not. So I screwed that one up. But thanks for calling it out, Pete. Yeah, no problem. You call me out on my. Okay, so go on. So, Pete, uh, we're sitting here with one of your coworkers today. Why don't you uh, introduce them? Oh, man. Uh, Man, we go way back to like Wednesday, April, (laughs) February. (laughs) Oh, yeah, February. Maybe Uh, February, January, one of those months. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the guys that started like, you know, all this YouTube and all this kind of stuff doing this video stuff. But, uh, you know, my coworker from Impact Wrestling, Matt Cordona. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Thanks for having me on the show. Awesome. Man, we are you when you were released, you were one of those people that were on my bucket list of people I wanted to interview because of everything you've done, not even inside the wrestling ring, but just in the wrestling business. The, the YouTube channel, which Pete brought up, I was a huge fan of. We're definitely going to talk a lot about that, I'm sure, because I, a lot of people don't know this, and this isn't my question, but you're kind of the, the one of the forefathers of wrestlers using the social media, getting themselves over on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, listen, I wasn't the first wrestler by any means who had a, a web show or even a, a Twitter account, but I think I was one of the first people if not the first, who, who realized, okay, I need to blend my character and my real life together and let the people in. And because I, I believe that authenticity is very important and transparency and people just want to see behind the curtain. So I would let them in. I was still, you know, Zach Ryder on this YouTube show, but I let them in uh, to my life. I had my dad on the show, my friends. I talked about my girlfriend breaking up with me, stuff like that. And I think people appreciated that. Well, I, I'm going to jump in because right now you are one of the hottest names in wrestling with what you've been doing in GCW, which I got to be honest with you. I didn't see coming. Uh, well, that, that's the whole point. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. Phenomenal. And, and here's here's the thing. And this is as a fan from the outside looking in uh, to I, I so out of your norm. Did you have to be talked into this? Because the hardcore thing, I don't think Pete's ever been in a hardcore match. For me, watching a hardcore match, I'm a little cringeworthy when it comes to it. But I was, I, I tuned in, I watched in this, this evolution of where you were. Because you didn't spend much time on the indies before going into the WWE. So I didn't really get to know you that well in the indie circuit outside of who you were in the WWE. But when I see, you know, Matt in a hardcore match and being crowned like king of hardcore, I think, holy shit is how's, how's that happen for you? Yeah. So listen, I don't know exactly how it happened. If a fan tweeted it or, or Nick Gage tweeted it. And at first I thought it was just a joke. So I was playing along, you know, like he says, MDK. That's I think, I guess that's a gang. So I was like, yeah, I'm an MDK. I was saying the, the major Detolf collectors Detolf is a, is a display case from Ikea where, where we put our toys. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in MDK all day. Uh, and then it escalated into this thing, into this death match. 
And I think sometimes in wrestling, you actually have to give the fans what they want. And enough people wanted to see this match, whether they want to see me get my ass kicked or not. I don't care. They wanted to see it. And I knew that there'd be some interest. I didn't realize how much interest there would be. I could not predict that we would trend number one over UFC and Olympics, but we did. Uh, I just knew we had something and uh, I'm all about trying new things. I'm not saying everything I do is going to be a success, but I just want to try. I just want the opportunity. And, and this seemed like the opportunity of a lifetime. Matt, so, do, okay. I do want to cut everybody off and introduce uh, Lisa <laughs> Young, who has popped in two-time MLB All-Star, the head coach himself. Dimitri, hey, we missed you. Hey, I missed you guys too. And, and Matt, my apologies for being late. I actually fell asleep. I went fishing today with my <laughs> on my mom's birthday. She passed away Baseball. 13 years ago. But um, yeah, we caught some white sea bass, yellowtail. And then, you know, I'm almost 48. I had to take a nap. That's right. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Matt, let me uh, hit a follow-up question really quick, and then we'll move on. The fans' reaction after you won. You've talked a little bit about it all over social media. Uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, that's the crowd they are. I'm not here to pass judgment on them. I I would never throw anything, but that's that crowd. You go into that. Uh, you go into the Lions' Den, you expect something like that. But did you expect that kind of reaction? No, I, I knew the people were going to be upset because, listen, it, it's 2021. We all know the deal. And I believe that some of the fans there, they, they, they just wanted to boo me because it's part of the show. But some of the fans there wanted to boo me because they wanted me to die. Uh, some people, they, there's pictures, videos, there's proof of this. They have my action figure with, with nooses around my neck, like hanging my action figure. Like, this is not normal. I was receiving death threats. People tweeting that they wanted Chelsea to get cut up by uh, Nick Gage. Uh, and then, you know, the, the bottles, and that, the cans, that's fine. Throw bottles and cans. But if you actually stop the footage and pause it, people were throwing pizza cutters. <laughs> like, that's where it's like, okay, dude, you're throwing a pizza cutter? Like, that's fucked up. Yeah. No, it, it is. I, I, yeah. so, I also, like, since we're on this topic, all right, so I'm assuming first, you've never been in that type of match before, right? Never. First time, last time, only time, never again. <laughs> all right. So... I know, like, but you've been on the like the biggest of the biggest, like, sure shows and all that kind of stuff. And but were you? And I know when I go, like, the first time I ever did like a ladder match, for example, right. that's different. That's not regular sure. wrestling, you know. I mean, right. you're gonna, you know, were you nervous, at, at, like, going into this, being like, I, oh man, like, I am not gonna lie. Listen, I knew what I was signing up for to an extent. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get hit with a light tube. I'm probably gonna bleed. Let me wear all white. It will look cool if there's some blood. I, I did not imagine that my white shirt would turn completely red. Um, and right before I went out there, I'm like, listen, I don't know Nick Gage. I don't know him. The only thing I know about him is that he went to jail, uh, that he like died and came back to life, that he's this dark side of the ring. I'm thinking like, right, this is legit. Are they going to legitimately try to murder me and like trend like GCW kills Matt Cardona a lot? Like that, I was scared to death. Uh, luckily that didn't happen, but yeah, I was scared and, um, <laughs> I'm still here talking about it. So I survived and I won, but yeah, I was definitely scared going into it. So, and, and last thing, and then Dimitri, you could jump in, uh, and not, I uh, just, so I can back you and not like, have you sound like a wuss, you yeah. know? Um, so when I went up against, uh, Nick Gage as well, and it was like a King of trios match three on three. And he was one of the guys in, in the match. And he had some like 
you know, like heat with Steiner or whatever. Right. But I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, okay, this guy died, came back to life, he's yeah. been to prison. I'm like, you know, he's a hardcore and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, am I going to get hit with light tubes tonight? Am I going right. to same thing? I was like, is he going to try to kill me? And right. obviously, you know, he didn't. I'm, we're, I'm alive. You're alive. But um, I didn't have a question, but I just wanted to back you <laughs> yeah, up. No, right. Yeah. Uh, uh, that you're, you're, you're not a wuss when it comes to that. Nick Gage is very intimidating. His, you know, reputation is like, you know, he is going to kill you. So I think anybody that gets out of there, not dead, it's a good day. Dimitri. <laughs> okay. Well, well, I've been in Florida for the past two weeks, mentoring young baseball players at the Hank Aaron Invitational and then with wow. perfect. So I'm going into more of a mentorship role. And so my question to you, now that you're more of a veteran in the game, how, how, how do you take to being a mentor or, you know, somebody that's a veteran, been there, done that, knows the ins and outs for an up-and-comer that's looking to be one day you? Here's, here's the thing, and people aren't going to like this, but you're going to have to do a lot of fucking work. You know, it's not going to come easy, and it's, it's not all going to be – you know, uh, you know, this, this dream come true, you know, it's going to be highs and lows, but if you want it bad enough, you got to put in the work, you got to be working 24 seven and that's legitimate. Like it, it cannot stop. It can't, like, if you're going to wrestling school, you can't just go the, the two days a week, you know, like if you're going only two days a week, you got to be, whether it be watching matches or going to the gym or eating right or whatever it is, uh, it just never stops. And the more successful you get, the harder it gets, the more you have to work. It doesn't get easier. So you just got to be prepared. You got to love the grind. You got to love the hustle. And if you don't, you got to get out of this business before you get sucked in because it, it will eat you up. You know what you said? One thing that you said, you, you mentioned that, you know, not just going to class, you know, two times a week or whatever. That's what I tell the hitters. You know, you can't just come and hit two times a week. Hitting is an everyday thing. I talk about some of the best in the game. Yeah, Mookie Best, Mike Trout, guys like that that go up there and they do it every single day, countless amount of swings, at least 500. So, I mean, that was a good answer because I see that everything is the same, just different fields. You know, you want to get to the top, you got to put in that kind of work and dedication and passion. Yeah, and the work is not going to stop. I mean, Petey could tell you how long has he been doing this. It doesn't get easier. And the more recognition you get, the more successful you get, there's more expected of you. And the more you have to deliver on a constant basis. So the pressure doesn't stop. The hard work doesn't stop. It just gets, it just gets harder and harder. But you, if you love it, it doesn't feel like hard work. Are you happy with where your career is right now today? Because once again, I, I've... I've stood next to you when you've had a conversation in a hotel lobby. That's kind of the closest I've ever gotten to really know and talk to you, which was in Nashville very recently. And as an outsider looking in, you are a guy that goes out there, has fun and has made do and has been successful in everything. Someone's asked you to do out there, but at times it looks like you could be a little bit frustrated in your career. Well, that's, that's a loaded question. Are it you is. asking, have I ever been like upset or jaded no, no, or bitter? No. I Just definitely have now today. Oh, right now, hundred percent. I believe, and this is me and maybe, you know, you don't have to agree with this opinion. It's my opinion. I believe success 
is how happy you are, not how much money you have or how famous you are. It's how happy you are with yourself. When you look in the mirror, are you happy with yourself? And right now, I'm the happiest I've been in a long, long time because I not that I had handcuffs in WWE. I'm not saying that. I love my time there. I mean, if it wasn't for WWE, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. You know what I'm saying? But the handcuffs are off. I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want, try whatever I want. And not everything I do is going to be a success, right? I might fall flat on my face, but all I've ever wanted was opportunity. And right now I'm just taking all these opportunities and, uh, you know, impact GCW, whatever it is, I'm going to try to, to, to hit a home run. I might not, I might hit a single, I might strike out, but I'm going to try. So look, 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 look baseball at analogy. Yeah, he's just about to say <laughs> yeah, I like that. Oh, he knows. That's right, baby. Um, so you know, speaking of like, you know, the opportunity and all that kind of stuff. So you created opportunity for yourself, creating, you know, the YouTube series way back in, man, that was years ago, right? Like 10 years ago or something like 2011, that. 2011. Yeah. Yeah. So you created that. And then I know an impact cause you work there now, if something's going on and something's getting hot impacts going to run with it, they're going to, sure. they're going to make a story around it. They're going to do everything they can to keep that, you know, smart, that, that, that steam going. Yes. WWE is not really like that. Like, so when they saw that, like, you know, like massive amount of like, you know, everybody getting behind you and stuff like that. What were there people like upset going like, uh, man, now we have to switch our plans or were they actually like, yeah, this is great. You know, we're going to run with this. It was definitely a very frustrating time. Uh, it's funny because it's been 10 years and time flies and, uh, actually have a podcast that is kind of like the sequel, if you will, of the old YouTube show called MC true long Island story. And it comes out every week. And we go 10 years prior to what happened on the YouTube show, what was going on in my career. So there's a lot of interesting stories there. Uh, this week, I just tell a story how I, I came up with this internet championship. And I actually got like a nice belt made. At first, it was like a toy, my little brother's toy intercontinental title that I reworded it internet. And that was fine for a couple of weeks, but I wanted to be taken seriously. So I spent like 1500 bucks, got a real belt made. And I brought it to TV to, to try to show uh, Triple H, Vince, whoever, like, can I wear this on television? I just told the story on the podcast and there are witnesses to this story. So if you don't want to believe me, you can ask other people. So it's during the day. Everyone's around the ring. It's the rehearsal. Triple H is running rehearsal. And I don't remember if I'm wearing the title. I have it on my shoulder and my hands, whatever. Uh, and he says, you're such a mark for yourself. <laughs> and, and, and I respond with, Something like, listen, I don't really think I'm the champion of the internet. It's, yeah. a, it's a gimmick, like, like the million-dollar title. Yeah. And he says uh, something like, if this was 10 years ago, the whole locker room would have kicked your ass. And I said, well, the whole locker room loves me. And then, <laughs> and then he said, that's why the houses are half empty. So I don't, know how, I don't know how I was supposed to respond to that. I don't know if it's my fault that the house are half empty. I don't know if he meant that like people liking each other is why the house are half empty. I'm not sure. But there was definitely uh, some resistance to what I was doing. Awesome. That that sounds like front office stuff. That sounds like <laughs> that sounds like that the suits. <laughs> That's what that sounded like right there. Yeah, but you know what? It just it just fueled my fire. And at the time, um, the the YouTube show was picking up steam, and that's something I started on my own, just because I was just sick of the spot I was in, you know, I wanted to achieve more. And at the time I knew, Hey, if I'm going to achieve more, I got to grab that quote unquote brass ring by myself and create my own opportunity. 
So that's why I started the YouTube show. I wanted to either get noticed or get fired. I didn't want to get fired, but I just wanted to create so much buzz that if I did get fired, I could have went to TNA or something and been the guy who WWE fired for trying to get over, you know? Yeah. It, well, so um, with that and like the, the show and stuff, were you, how do I put this? Here, I'll, I'll come back to this. Dimitri, go. <laughs> I, I want to be able to put this right. So Dimitri, go ahead. Well, who who are the people that you looked up to that got you in, in the wrestling business and then ultimately being one of the major brothers and one of the edge hedges? Yeah, it's it's funny you say that, you know, because as a kid, you know, I of course, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior, these larger than life characters. Uh, I, listen, I still love action figures, right? But as a kid, I really loved them. And these guys were like real life action figures. So like, you know, if you're a kid and you're playing with your Superman toy, there's not a real Superman, you know what I'm saying? But there really is Hulk Hogan. There really is the Ultimate Warrior. There really is the Macho Man. Uh, so those guys I just loved. And then guys like like Shawn Michaels was the first like bad guy heel that I liked. And I didn't really understand why, but I was just getting older. And and like I started to appreciate like the moves and like the the, the storytelling of matches. But it was around like the, the early 2000s where guys like Edge, Christian, and Jericho were my favorites because – I mean, it's crazy because at the time they were the quote unquote smaller guys. And I thought to myself, hey, if these guys can make it, then I can. And that's what really made me, uh, you know, turn my my dream into like something I'm, I'm really going to try to do. And like you said, the Edge Heads, years later, I get to to ride with Edge, team with Edge, wrestle with Edge. So it, it was a dream come true. I want to touch on your podcast, which you kind of talked about the major wrestling figure podcast and yeah. me being a podcaster. And I kind of like to ask wrestlers who started doing their own podcast or web shows. Does, did it change your opinion on podcasting or, or podcasters in, in general? Because I know being a wrestling podcaster, there's a kind of dirty stink on us sometimes, but now that you've you ventured into this, I think 2018 was when you started doing it. Has yeah. it kind of changed your opinion of the wrestling podcast industry? I never had a negative opinion on it because I was somebody who was listening to them, whether it be wrestling or other things. I'm a big theme park guy. So I listen to a lot of like Disney and Universal theme, uh, like theme park podcasts. So it was always something that fascinated me, but I didn't want to just start a podcast to have a podcast. I wanted it to, to, to be about something special, something that I could confidently talk about every single week and be passionate about. And, and that's what wrestling figures. Uh, that's how that started because Brian Myers and I, you know, he's someone I met in wrestling school in 2003 and we hated each other because we were the same age, same physique, same look. And I, I didn't get into the business. I didn't want to be the rockers or demolition or the bushwhackers. I wanted to be a, a singles guy. So when they put us together as a team, like, I don't want to team with this guy, you know, but then when we found out, I, I forget exactly how we found out, but we're both 18 year old kids who are collecting wrestling figures, like in secret, you know, that broke the ice and, and that continued uh, to be like the theme of our friendship for so many years. And I was just annoying him. Hey, let's, let's start a podcast. Let's start a podcast. Um, and we actually uh, went to WWE and I forget what we, we called it. Maybe it was like the Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, wrestling career podcast, whatever it was. Uh, and they said, no, they said, we're not interested in podcasts. We, we see nothing in collectibles and we're like, all right, that's it. We tried. And then uh, somebody who I'm not going to say who it was, but somebody in the office said, you know what, just, just do it yourselves and see what happens. And I had learned from that YouTube show that I started by myself, that even if they don't do it for you, if you use their intellectual property, like Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, 
they instantly own it. So I said, okay, let's do it. Let's be Matt Cardona, Brian Myers, our real names. And let's make sure we're very, very careful. Don't do anything that WWE can say they own. And thank God we did it that way because when we got released, the podcast was still ours. If it was the Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins wrestling group podcast, once we got released, it would have been gone. That's very interesting. So when, when you did go into, po- since we're on podcasts and the social media and stuff like that, um, when you did, let's go back to the YouTube show. Yeah. When you did that, did other people like help you with that? Like, no. or like ideas and stuff or anything. Cause I know uh, like yeah. whenever you come up with ideas, somebody's like, Oh, I have an idea for your show when sure. something's hot like that, you know? Sure. Yeah. So there was definitely people I would bounce ideas off of, but I, I taught myself how to edit. I filmed it all myself. I wrote it all myself and listen, go watch them back. The, the editing sucks. It's not good, <laughs> but it was all me and it would take me days. I'm, but it, it's, it's like the bare minimum. It's horrible for, for me. It was like, I was like editing star Wars, you know, yeah. but it, it, it sucked. <laughs> But it was all me doing it. Even like a, a year into it, WWE took it over and moved it to their YouTube channel. But it was still me doing it all. So they didn't even give you extra like like producers. Like, hey, we're gonna send a producer that no, like it's educated no. on this. They, they did. They did give me a shitty camera and a uh, not brand new laptop. <laughs> Awesome. So I said, so I think it's a laptop. I think they might have put some sort of like bug in it so they could track what I was doing because it was a laptop, but it didn't have a box. It was very shady. <laughs> I want to go. I want to go into the um, the collectibles industry. Um, I, I collect not like you do, but I collect like the DC action figures I have behind me and beside me, and. Um, so what is the um, pieces that you collect and what is the most expensive piece? Because I also used to like I also used to collect baseball cards as well. Oh, well. PSA 10 rookie Woo! card. PSA cards are in, baby. Um, I'm, I, listen, wrestling figures, that's my number one. But I also have a lot of Star Wars, Ninja Turtles, Ghostbusters. Um, you know, I don't buy things to resell them. I don't buy them with the hope they'll be worth money someday. Some of the things I have, I couldn't give them away. Worthless, right? But then some things I have are worth thousands and thousands of dollars. So it, I guess that's good, right? It's good to know that, God forbid, I couldn't wrestle again. I could, I could sell this stuff off. Um, but I just never grew out of the, the toys. I just never grew out of it. Even like, you know, in high school, I wasn't admitting that I was collecting these toys. I would buy them for my youngest brother and still play with them. Or I'd go to Toys R Us and, and ask for a gift receipt because I didn't want the clerk to know that they were for me. Um, work. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, <laughs> the effort just to collect right. the things you like. Right, but now I don't care. Now we, we have the podcast about now I'm proud of it. But, you know, I, wanna, I want to break that stigma. You know, like now, 2021, comics are cool. Video games are cool. Why can't action figures be cool? Like uh, the 40-year-old version that came out, you know, early 2000s, mm. the guy was literally a virgin. Like this, this guy must be a virgin because he has these figures. I'm not a virgin. I have sex all the time and I have great action. <laughs> so what is you can have action figures and sex. That's right. That's what I'm saying right here. That's that the clickbait headline. <laughs> But you better have your own action figure as well, like you do, if you want to have the sex. Well, right? So do you, PD? Yeah, and I, I have <laughs> sex as well. Yes. So how do we get? Anyways, Dennis, let's let's steer this back on track. All right. You're going, Dennis. First of all, I know PD. He's not having sex. 
just to throw that out there. Nobody well, believes you. See, there's yeah. no pop right there. Nobody believes you. <laughs> they don't have to. I know the truth. And that's all that matters. Uh, let's go back to this wrestling figure talk because I am a wrestling figure nerd. I'm slightly older than you guys. So I had the uh, one, what was it? The one piece plastic WCW figures, which will still always be near and dear to my heart. The Galoob? Very much so. Yeah. What are what are some of the figures that that have no real, but other than sentimental value, some of the maybe even types of figures? Yeah. So I grew up. Uh, I was born in '85, and my my the memories I have of childhood was playing with wrestling figures. I don't remember my first match that I saw. You know, all I remember is having these big rubber figures in the eighties. And I still have those ones. They're in my parents' house in my basement. Like, you know, the fingers are chewed off and the paint's missing, but that's what I grew up on. And then, you know, eventually the Hasbro's and the Galoob's in the early nineties. And, and I just never stopped. So I think my favorite ones are the ones that came out. They started in 1996. Uh, they were called the Jack's bone crunching action figures. Like they have zero value, none. Oh. But at the time it was like my, I want to say my most professional playing because the internet just came out. You were able to download the entrance music and I had a computer so I could type out the title history and stuff like that. So that's when I was the most invested, but those figures are worthless, like garbage. You can buy them now, like in the package, you know, for like 10, 15 bucks. There's JYD right there. I see him. There he is. Yeah, you wouldn't happen to add a chain, would you? Uh, you know, there's three versions of the chain, right? There's there's silver, black, and red. There's three chains. That's called a variant in the biz, Petey. <laughs> I, yeah, so I, I, I'll, I'll guess I'll come out and say I'm not an action, <laughs> action figure guy. That's fine. Yeah, you That's know, fine. I, so I guess I'm the loser right now <laughs> on this on this show. Um, but, you know, speaking of losers, so you're getting married soon, right? That's right. Um, that's right. <laughs> I'm, 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 that. I didn't mean to segue. <laughs> that was the worst. I know. But oh, it was also like, it's all fun. So um, <laughs> the engagement. So I, I've been following your like two year long engagement yeah. on social media. And yeah. stuff. Like you guys, you know, you guys get engaged and then, you know, the pandemic hits. So you have right. to postpone that. And right. then, you know, so. Are you guys actually going to get married soon? Yeah. So the plan is to get married uh, this New Year's Eve. We were supposed to get married last New Year's Eve, uh, but the pandemic kind of fucked that all up. Yeah. So we're hoping to do it again this New Year's Eve. And uh, at this point, I just want to get it over with. Right. I just want to get married, get it over with. Uh, so we were we were working on the whole situation like she's from Canada. So yeah. she could her family couldn't get over. They, still uh, they, they I think they just opened the border. Oh, well, hold on. That new Delta variant came up and uh, they switched things around. And I mean, I don't know which border she crosses, but I heard they're going on strike and they're going to dude. We'll have to uh, talk about this offline, but I'm going um, to hear that. PD. Yeah. So <laughs> let's let's edit that out right there. So anything that I do, she doesn't listen to. So it's all good. <laughs> Oh man, uh, but yeah, hopefully it works. You know, yeah. maybe you guys can just elope or something like that. Yeah. I was just wondering where you guys were at because it's, I mean, it's it's a slow burn story, man. Like it's 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 a long one that I'm following. Kind of like you know when you have those old school, uh, yeah, you know, like Hulk Hogan versus Andre Giant. You know, it's a build up for a year that's before right. payoff, <laughs> and that's what this is. That's what this is happening. Yeah. Right so now, the so. the plan is to get to get married uh, this New Year's Eve, and uh, in typical uh, Matt Cardona fashion, I guess I'm having exclusive. Uh, wedding variants to our uh, action figures that will only be available to the people who go to the wedding. So I know like at the end of the night, like uncle Tony's going to go around, like seeing who didn't take theirs and put it on eBay. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Good. Good. 
Dimitri? I want to be invited to the wedding so I can have those vests. <laughs> a lot of people do. <laughs> trust me. So, All right. Well, I'll jump in because I've got another question about. Sure. Uh, I know. I know about your wrestling career. It seems like a lot of the fans always push when there's a wrestling couple like, oh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Adam Cole needs to go to AEW because uh, his his girlfriend or his wife is there. Did you ever feel that pressure about working in the same company as Chelsea being in a relationship like because I know a lot of times it felt like you guys were like two ships passing in the night when it come to like being in the same company together. I would honestly prefer that way, you know, because I think what has kept our relationship going is that we don't really talk about the business. Like I, she won't get, well, I don't know if she'll get mad, but I don't give a shit about her storyline ideas or what, what gear she wants to get or what her, her move said. I don't care. So it's great that we don't have to talk about it. Of course, listen, it's our job. It's going to come up, but I don't want to talk about it all the time. So now like we're together, we literally have been, te- we teamed against PD. So like when it comes to those situations, I'm like, oh man, like can we kind of be separate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was, it was very awkward when we were all in. No, I, it wasn't. It was great. Yeah. I, had, dude, yeah. I had a blast with that, man. We, we threw that thing together like really quick. And you know, that was, that was probably one of the most fun matches I had, uh, you know, in, in a very long time. It wasn't oh, yeah. like X division where I had to call all these, you know, spots and all that kind of stuff. It, it was fun. You know, we had a gimmick going on and, I really enjoyed it. So thank you for that. But oh, thank you. I enjoyed it as well. Uh, thanks. Um, <laughs> but my question is how did, okay. You're, you're done with WWE. You go to AEW, right? right. And, and you show up an impact. Right. right. So how, how did, did you reach out to impact? Did somebody reach out to you? Like how did that all come to, did like who called uh, you all that? Kind so, of so once I got released, of course, like every, I'm sure everybody was calling everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I knew the, the people that I knew, we're all going to impact. So I didn't want to just be another guy going to impact, you know, uh, Brian Myers going to impact mm-hmm. Heath, Eric yeah. Young, yeah. EC3 Gallows. And like, so if I just show up there at Slammiversary, I'm just going to be Macronos at impact with these guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I could, I didn't want to just be there, you know? Uh, and you know, so I, I did AEW. I had a, a short term deal with them, like three shows or four shows. And, and that was great, but that it didn't, it didn't, escalate to anything else you know like they didn't offer me a deal and i wasn't going to beg for one either you know so i was just kind of sitting around and at the time we were kind of still in the middle of the pandemic where it wasn't quite safe to go do these independent shows like there were some going on but it wasn't really the safest thing to do and luckily we had the major wrestling favorite podcast so like that was paying the bills so i wasn't like in this rush to go like maybe catch covid in front of like 50 fans <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what i'm saying so i was just kind of hanging out and i said all right well well, damn, now it's, it's, it's January 1st. Uh, I haven't wrestled since September. I better start reaching out. You know, I better start like reaching out to other places. And I actually did reach out to impact and, uh, they said there was nothing for me. I'm like, well, shit, you know, that's on me, I guess, you know, cause I didn't go there when it was uh, offered to me. Mm. And then a couple of weeks later, uh, I'm at the gym doing buys and, uh, buys and tries. And I get a text like, Hey, can you come to the pay-per-view tomorrow? And luckily, you know, I was in shape. I had just tanned the day before. And I was like, yeah, always, always ready. Right. Uh, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, holy shit. Like I have not even like touched a ring since September. And uh, I, I just had to, you know, put up a shove. Right. And I was against Ace Austin, who is definitely the future of this business. Yep. Uh, you know, he moves like a son of a bitch, you know what I'm saying? And I had to keep up and I did. And, and, and they kept bringing me back. 
So I guess it worked out. Now, along those same lines, um, what are your thoughts about the mass exodus that's going on with WWE with these releases? And I mean, now you're getting into the Braun Strowman's and the, the Bray Wyatt's, you know, main eventers. I mean, as as someone that's been there and went through it yourself, what are your thoughts about what's going on there? I mean, if you want to talk about that. I mean, guys like Braun and Bray, listen, they're they're going to be fine, right? They're, they're, they're talented, they're creative. But it, you don't have to just be Braun or Bray to be a success. You know, you could be anybody else, but you <laughs> newsflash, you got to bust your ass. You got to hustle. You got to work. Uh, if you're expected to make this like WWE money by just sitting on your ass, it ain't going to happen. You know, you, whether it be a pro wrestling tease, I'm not saying everyone has to start a podcast, but find your other passion and do something related to that. You got to hustle. I, I say crumbs make crumb cake, baby. You know, make a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there. And you got the whole fucking cake. Uh, it's not going to come. Some people, it will come easy to. I'm sure Braun Strowman's phone is ringing off the hook. Mine wasn't. And I'm sure there's other guys whose phone is not ringing off the hook. But guess what? Work. Do it yourself, because that's the only way it's going to get done. You, you know, and we asked Aiden English, who was on a few weeks ago, this question, and I guess it kind of pertains to you, too. You know, the pandemic hits, you kind of, you you know, just was saying you weren't really doing anything. You showed up at AEW for a few weeks and then you were off the pandemic hit. Was there anything in the back of your mind that was kind of like, uh oh, this ride could be over. Maybe I should start thinking about plan B or do you think, you know what? I'm Matt fucking Cordona. I'm going to be all right. I don't want to make it seem as confident as that second one, but I was not worried one bit, uh, you know, like to me. And this is when I first started wrestling in 2003. There is no plan B. This is it. You know, I, I'm going to be wrestling till the day I die. I'm going to be the hockey talk man, baby. You know what I'm, saying? I'm going to shake, rattle and roll all the way to the grave, baby. But, uh, you know, luckily with that, with the major wrestling podcast, uh, there was money coming in. So fortunately for me, I didn't have to, 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 to struggle uh, you know, when there was no, there was nowhere to go, you know, I, I, luckily that's what happened. Uh, if I didn't have that, if I had zero income coming in, maybe a different story, but uh, fortunately for me, that wasn't the situation. So I, I want to bring something up and, and I don't know if it's a sore subject or anything. I just don't know anything about it. Um, when we were doing that, uh, well, we were at swingers palace together, like uh, the week or two ago on TV and we filmed that. And then uh, there was an inside joke. I didn't get it. And I, you probably have to explain it to me. You talked about with Swinger, like something like, oh, I don't want another Great American Bash debacle or something like that. Oh, <laughs> well over my head. I don't know. Like, it seems like everybody in the room knew what was going on. <laughs> no, no, but no. It was maybe called... it's nothing, but I'm like, okay, no, okay. no, no. I, one of the uh, I think it was Hardcore Justice, one of the impact app pay-per-views a couple months ago. I wrestled Swinger in a crate American Bash where there was crates, <laughs> there was like, there was like, you know, a crate on each pole, but like, you didn't have to reach to get them. Like they were just sitting on the pole. So like swingers, like climbing up the, the ropes, trying to get One. to the, the, but it's right there. <laughs> okay. So I totally misheard yeah. that. I thought yeah. you guys, I'm like, what happened at the great American bash? No, the, like, the crate, have... it was the crate American bash. That was the name of the match. The crate American <laughs> bash. Did they really name it that? I yeah, they did. Man. I was there and I don't even remember the yeah. answer. Yeah. Right. Well, it, thanks it, for clearing it, that up for me because that's been bugging me since like last month when we no, filmed that. I'm no. like, what it is just, this? It was just one of those matches where I'm like, what am I doing? It's like, I love Swinger. Swinger and I 
uh, you know, he was, when I went to deep South wrestling in 2006, he was there. So like, that's where I, I obviously I've known of him for years before. So it's funny to, to reconnect all these years later, but to be in this like crate American bash match, we're like inside one of the crates was a, a picture of Scott Hall. There was like a mouse trap in one of them. It was, yeah, it was yeah. the most ridiculous match maybe ever. You didn't know that Pete, you've been hanging out with <laughs> D Mac, haven't you? No, I, I well, I, I misinterpreted. It. I thought he said Great American Bash. Oh no, the crate it was crate, and now crate. that all makes sense to me because I remember that, and I remember yes. Swinger getting his, you know, hand stuck, in, and then the yes, other one yes. was. But they, as horrible as the match, not not the match itself, but the gimmick part, the horrible as it was, you guys played it in because you guys used that other crate with the action figures. Yeah, and, no, you know, it all made storytelling, baby. It all made sense. <laughs> yeah, man, it all made great. sense. So it, they they made you know. It all worked out. Yeah. Dimitri? Uh, I'm still fascinated by the story that um, Petey didn't know. So what was your, <laughs> so what was your um, favorite match thus far in your career? Oh, man. I mean, this is a, a typical answer, and I'm sure it sounds cliche, but it's true. It's, uh, you know, when I won the Intercontinental title at WrestleMania, yeah. um, it's, it's definitely my favorite match for so many reasons. One, um, you know, I wasn't supposed to be in the match. Uh, I wasn't even like supposed to be considered for the match. And a couple of weeks before I was on, whether it's superstars or main event, one of the shows they tape before raw or SmackDown that nobody watches that one of those, those shows where you wrestle and the match goes to die. Um, I talk about being always ready, but you know, I treat every match like it's a big deal, right? Cause if you don't, who's gonna, and it just so happens that, that Vince McMahon was in his office. I don't know if he was eating a steak or getting a massage or what, but looked up and saw the match and said the next day at one of the production meetings, like, why aren't we doing anything with this guy? Um, and then, you know, this was years after the YouTube show took off and, and then, you know, got destroyed. So like, you know, I think the, the, the management counted me out, the fans counted me out and maybe I, I even counted myself out, you know? So I got this, this, this other chance. And uh, you know, I heard through the grapevine that, Oh man, there's going to be this ladder match at WrestleMania and you're on the list. I'm like, what me? I'm on the list in this ladder match. Like, holy shit. And then, of course, in typical, you know, Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona fashion, the next week I'm taking off the list. But to me, it was like, you know what? I was considered like maybe things will turn around. Um, and then, you know, in an unfortunate, unfortunate for 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 Neville Pac, but fortunate for me, uh, uh, Pac Neville was supposed to be in that match, but he gets hurt on Raw, like fucks his ankle up. And I'm like, this is it. This is my, I'm not someone who I'm the worst politicker ever. That's probably why I'm in the spot that I'm in or the spot that I've been in. But I knew like, holy shit, a spot's open. So, you know, raw, he gets hurt. Next day at SmackDown, I find the head writer and I just like plead my case. Why I deserve to be in that match. Why no one else deserves to be in it more than me. And something that I was told I said during this pitch that I don't even remember saying, it wasn't planned line. It, it just came out. It was from the heart. I said, I've never heard my music play at WrestleMania, which was true. So that's what, 2016? I debuted in WWE 2007. I never had like a WrestleMania match, like ever. Like, listen, I'm in Battle Royal, all the 10-man tags, all that bullshit. But never like, here's my music, I come out. So uh, Road Dog, that's who was the, the writer. He pulled me aside and said, listen, when you said like you, you, you never heard your music play at Mania, that really stuck with me and we're going to get you in that match. And even then, I didn't believe it. I was like, you know, like you don't believe it until it happens. And then the next week on Raw, they, they announced it. I was in the graphics like, holy shit, I'm going to be in this match at WrestleMania. So, so just walking down that aisle and, and hearing that music was the win, right? But then to actually win the fucking match, 
to, to actually win the Intercontinental title. And listen, I get it. It was, it was shock value. I don't give a shit. Shock me, baby. You know what I'm saying? And, and so much so that, you know, for, for WrestleMania, what they do is they, they bring the, the, the people who are in the match, they bring their family down to sit like front row. So my parents were front row to see all this. And, and Dolph Ziggler, one of my buddies, he like waves my dad over. He's like, come on in. My dad's like, okay. And my dad just hops the guardrail and slides in, like legitimately not part of the show. You know, so I'm on top of the ladder and I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And I go down and, and my dad's there. I'm like, holy shit. And he gives me a big hug. Uh, and this was in, in Dallas. So they had like WrestleMania cowboy hats. And of course, my dad, the ultimate gimmick is wearing one of these cowboy hats. He tries to put it on my fucking head. I'm like, get this cowboy hat off my head. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> get this thing off my head. Uh, but that, you know, that was something that no, no writer wrote that. That was just legitimate part of the show. And, and you know, and to me, that, uh, not just like the greatest moment of my career, but at the time was the greatest like moment of my life. Like how cool is that? Like my dad in the room with me at WrestleMania, when I win this, this title, it was, it was really special. And it still is really special. Well, I, I got two follow-up questions for that one. Okay. How much shit did you get in when your dad came in the ring? Um, <laughs> and then number two is. And I, I usually I'm very curious with this stuff because, you know, when when like I won the X Division titles, I like my first one, like it was a big one for me. Right. And I, I know how they told me and all that. So how did they tell you? Where is that planned ahead of time? Like when they put you in the, the match, the, the road dog come up and be like, yeah, we're also going to put you over. Or was it like the day of or did they switch it around a little bit? So to answer the first one, uh, I guess at first, like Vince was like furious in the headset. Like, who the fuck is it? And then they, they told him who it was. and It was all cool. It was all oh, good. Okay. It was fine. Uh, and then the next thing. So so we had Raw. I, want, I think we were in like Brooklyn or something on a Monday. And then Tuesday, we flew to Texas for Mania Week. And then we had our first rehearsal on Tuesday. And I remember uh, Monday night after Raw, Miz told me he's going to win the title. And I'm like, you know what? Cool. I love Miz. One of my best friends. I'm glad he's winning. And the next day, like I was one of the first people at the rehearsal and Miz walks in like smiling from ear to ear. He's like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. It turns out he, of course, he's a stooge. He knows what's going on. You know, okay. he knows the deal. You know, he's friends with the writers uh, and he knew that the plan was for me to win. And uh, uh, one of the producers, it was it was Fit Finley and Jamie Noble. Yeah. Uh, and he said, like, oh, we're going to put it on, you know, Zach. And listen, there was a lot of boo-boo faces in that room. I'm not going to say who had them, but there was a few boo-boo faces in that room. And. Of course, I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to win. But at the same time, like, holy shit, it's Tuesday. WrestleMania is Sunday. This is going to change. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but luckily, it didn't, you know, and uh, the rest is history. Awesome. Good, good. We, we got time for one more question apiece. And uh, I'm going to go back to your podcast because, once again, I am a slappy for you. I, <laughs> I've, I've made it no secret many times on the podcast. This is a bucket list interview. You've got the podcast, which is now spun off into its own network. By the way, congrats on that. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, as a collector and as a fan, are you an autograph seeker? And if so, what was the hardest wrestling autograph for you to obtain? Because in my mind, I figure you go to a show and you're like, look, I've got this special edition, uh, you know, action figure of yours. Would you sign it? And some right. guy, you know, give you that look of like, really, you're asking me to sign something. Is, do you get that a lot? So, uh, I'm not a big autograph guy now. Uh, I was when I was a kid. I still have all the eight by tens that I collected as a kid, whether it be going to autograph signings or whatever it was. But th this is a funny story. So in, I guess it's 2002, uh, there was a, it's Hulk Hogan just came back to WWE 
And there was this big signing at Toys R Us in Times Square. And I like cut school and I went and I, I met Hulk Hogan. They actually like put it in the, uh, I think it's called like Hulk Stool Rules, like the DVD. And you see me like online doing the, the ear and the point. Uh, so that was cool. I still have that. It's a Hulk Hogan figure uh, signed by Hulk Hogan. But then years later, like this is like, I guess, two years ago, I was like fucking around on like Hulk Hogan's like beach website. And I noticed that anything on his site for another like 75 bucks, you can get signed by Hulk Hogan. And they just so happened to have a Zack Ryder figure in stock. So I bought the Zack Ryder figure and I paid the extra 75 bucks to get it signed by Hulk Hogan. So I have a, a Hulk Hogan figure signed by Hulk Hogan and a Zack Ryder figure signed by Hulk Hogan. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous that I had to do it. Um, I, got, I got a bunch of other questions, but uh, I'll just. I guess ask you in person in a couple of weeks. I, listen, I have, uh, I have time. Ask away. I don't care. <laughs> well, we, we, we got to, you know, we have a limit and all <laughs> that kind of stuff. But, um, so this is the one I'm going to ask. Okay. And if you say I'm not answering it, then that's fine. I'll just go on to my next one. Sure. Um, so uh, we usually ask a lot of the guests we have, they've worked previously for WWE and we always get a kick out of, uh, you know, what's their best Vince McMahon story? A, a couple things. Yeah. A couple of things. I, I love hearing everybody's impression of Vince McMahon. It's always like spot on. And it, it seems like we know the guy on the podcast, right. even though we don't know the guy. But do you have like a funny Vince McMahon story? Yeah. I, listen, my, I, I'm not going to even attempt the uh, impression because it's going to suck. And it's I don't know if this is a funny story, but this is like another like holy shit story. So this is this is right before WrestleMania 35. And uh, at the time, I'm teaming with Hawkins again. And we're doing nothing. He's in the middle of this losing streak. And we're just like together. And, and we're supposed to be in this Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I think it's like a week away or two weeks away. And WrestleMania is going to be in New Jersey. But they were saying it was New York, even though it was New Jersey. And I'm from New York. But whatever. Hometown crowd. And um, for some reason, they started this thing where a little backstory. I know this is probably too much info, but I don't care. Um, you had to like submit your gear for WrestleMania. What? And I'm oh. thinking like. First of all, I'm in this fucking Andre the Giant jabroni battle royal. I'm not submitting my gear because they're only looking for excuses to say no, right? So I'm, I'm not going to submit it. But of course, Brian, he submitted it. He wanted this, like, it was like this green Jets gear, you know, hometown where the Jets play. And of course, Vince McMahon says no, right? So we're like, we have to go see Vince for a couple of things. One, I had this idea. Okay, it's the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Like, who cares? Nobody, who cares what goes on? Let's let's pitch that it's down to me and him, the final two, and I sacrifice myself, and he wins. He breaks the streak, hometown crowd, blah, blah, blah. And then he also wants the pitch to let Vince, let him wear that jet skier. So we go in, we talk to Vince. He doesn't like our pitch for Hawkins to go over. He does let Hawkins win, uh, wear the jet skier, and that's it, whatever. The win of the conversation that Hawkins gets to wear the gear. Couple of days later, we get a call. Oh yeah, uh, you guys are now wrestling for the tag team titles at WrestleMania, and I have to believe it's because like we were fresh in his mind because we went in there because we were not doing anything for the titles. We weren't involved. And I think it's because we we you know pleaded our case that we're the hometown guys, and then probably like days ball. later, exactly days later, we're putting this match, and then we end up winning the tag team titles at WrestleMania. Uh, and I I have to believe it's all because we went in there and pitch to win that battle Royal. That's a, that's a great story. Usually we hear the opposite of like yeah. how ri ridiculous like Vince is like, why did he say that? Like that, right. that doesn't even make sense or whatever, but 
you know, you showed the other end, which I love. It's like, yo, a light bulb went off on his head and he was like, okay, let's make this happen. So he does. Yeah, and listen, I don't know that for a fact, but I can only assume because that the tag team title match came out of thin air. We were doing nothing. You know, we were in the battle royal. And then we go from being the battle royal to having this tag team title match. And I have to believe it's because we went in there and, and, you know, talked up how we were the hometown guys and the underdogs and stuff like that. Awesome. How we even mentioned the um the fourth wall, how promotions are cross promoting and anything. Are are you involved in any of that or any of that? That's my last question. Are you are you gonna be jumping in to New Japan or or AEW and you are you and uh Brian Myers gonna eventually get back together? Cause I've been watching a few <laughs> entire time. <laughs> So I think the, uh, I hate using this, this term free agent, but I guess technically I am, you know, uh, impact has been awesome. I, you know, impact is my priority right now, but I don't have a contract there. Uh, so I guess I could show up anywhere. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but tonight on AEW, uh, the major wrestling podcast, past blue Liberty commercial aired on AEW, you know what I'm saying? So like, we're just trying to get our shit in anywhere, you know what I'm saying? So I would love to just bounce around. Uh, but, but impact is somewhere. Uh, I feel like I have uh, a lot of opportunity and I feel like, uh, as soon as I got there, I felt welcome there. I felt like it was a great place to be. The locker room's awesome. Management is awesome. I'm not just saying that because PD's office and he's stooge, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's just a, a, a great atmosphere, a great vibe. And, and now, uh, that we have the people back, like, I can tell that everything's going to, you know, I, I feel like Matt Cardona and Impact, our, our, our paths have kind of paralleled where there's been highs and lows and highs and lows and people have counted me out, Impact out, but I feel like we're both on the up and up. Uh, and that's why I feel like Impact is the, the perfect spot for me right now. I want to end this podcast with one thing I didn't even get to ask you earlier in the episode. And I think is one of the most underrated things you've, want, you've done since you've uh, won the GCW championship is you're at Disneyland with it. That's right. And uh, first of all, I know how hard it is to sneak anything into Disney. How do you get that championship belt in? And you're taking the picture. You're done. You, do you carry around all day? Do you? So, <laughs> and, and how many people come up and ask for pictures with you at that time? Yeah, so so I, I, was, I had a backpack all day, and I had it in the backpack. I wasn't just carrying it around all day. And I went through security, went through the metal detector. They checked it out. You know, they knew it was in there. So I didn't really sneak it in. Uh, but, yeah, right before I took the picture for that castle, I, I unzipped the backpack. Put it on. I put it back in. I wasn't. I wasn't walking around the title all day, you know, saying, "Oh, look at me! I'm the." Cha-. I, I I hate getting noticed in public. I don't. I don't want to be the center of attention ever. But for that picture, I did it because I knew the the GCW fans would hate it, and I want them to hate me as much. <laughs> as possible. Man, it, I tell you, it is. It's it's some of my favorite stuff you've done right now. Is watching you just take the most most simplest things and turn it into the biggest heel stuff ever. I mean the. You and Domino's Pizza, that, yeah. that is, that's the most simplest thing. You have a pizza and a pizza cutter, and all of a sudden, you're hated for it. It's I love it. It's great. It's so easy because I feel like I know what th- that audience hates. And listen, I'm not – listen, I've, I, I always say this. I don't want to prove people wrong. I want to prove my fans right. People who have supported me, I want to prove them right. I'm not trying to gain new fans. I'm not trying to convert people or convince them to cheer for me. If they do, great. Glad to have you. But if you don't like me, my job, in my opinion, is to make you hate me even more, especially as the GCW champion uh, and that audience. Like, 
I want you to hate me. I want you to boo me out of the building. I don't want you to throw a pizza cutter at me. I, I, I don't necessarily want a death threat, but I want you to hate me. That that's that's the, the name of the game, right? See, I, I think the I think the biggest rib you're ribbing yourself, I think, right now. You're doing so. This is why. Listen, hear me out. You're doing such a good job at this. Like you're you're bringing eyes to GCW their eyes haven't been. You know what I mean? Like you're right. you're you're dude, you're top notch right there. But what that means is houses are up. So guess what you're gonna have to do? More fucking hardcore matches. You're gonna get your ass kicked more. Uh, They're gonna keep the belt on you. Ribs on you, man. So I mean, unless you like it, unless this no, is no. Your listen, thing. The, the death match thing is something. It's I respect the hell out of it. It's yeah. not for me. I <laughs> I don't want to listen. I've been getting so many like uh, emails to my booking email. Listen, I'm not doing death <laughs> matches in your local indie fed next Saturday. No, it's not happening. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I think GCW is a, a cool spot. It's awesome. But whether it's GCW or or Impact or whatever thing I'm doing, I always try to make it the biggest thing possible because if I'm not going to do it, who's going to do it? Exactly. If, I, if I don't think it's a big deal, who's going to make it a big deal? So whether, you know, I'm, wrest I'm wrestling West fucking Virginia this weekend, I'm going to make it the biggest deal possible because if I don't, no one else is going to. I, I tell you, the, the one thing I would love to see you do with that championship now is the old school NWO spray paint it with WWE. Uh, I'm not going to spoil what I have planned, but <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying a, 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 a custom title has been ordered. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> nice. That's all I'm going to say. Spray paint with WWE on it. They, <laughs> they die. If I you, mean, I, what if I called the, the GCW world title, the GCW universal title? Oh, that might, that might really, that shit. might really piss them off. Oh, that's all. Oh. That's the only, that's the only hint you're going to get. All right. We're calling your matches, the Vinnie Mac invitationals. <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys, listen, we could do this all night long. Uh, Matt, Please come back to the podcast because yeah, this is a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you it. You haven't even scratched the surface. Can you please tell people all about the podcast where they can find you? Uh, I, you know, this will come out this week. So if there's a website they can go to for future bookings, everything about you. Yeah. So uh, just follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Matt Cardona and uh, the Major Wrestler Podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Major WF Pod. Uh, every Friday, we have a new podcast. If you love action figures, collectibles, cards, wrestling t-shirts, video games, uh, we talk about it all. So uh, just, hey, if you love me or hate me, just uh, just buy a t-shirt, baby, and, uh, or, or hate me. Just don't throw a pizza cutter at me. That's all I ask. Man, <laughs> brutal. Listen, for everybody at home, the podcast is over. We'll say our goodbyes off the air. Wrestling perspective, make sure you rate, subscribe, follow, download, all that stuff. You, you guys know where to do it all. So, Pete. Dimitri, Matt, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it.